Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Oh, Christ is risen, and, and it's such a joy to be with you today. I'm Pastor Michelle Morris, and it is wonderful to be present with you on this holiest of holy days when we get to celebrate the raising of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that by hearing this story uh, when they went to the tomb. So we're going to hear from the Gospel of John chapter 20 verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the faith cloth. That had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. The world is in need of a resurrection. Did you hear that? I didn't say resurrection. I said restoration. And the reason that I've said that is two reasons. One, we have spent Lent talking about how God's love and grace restores us in all things. So we're sort of continuing that on into Easter today. But the other reason that I'm using it is because I want people to understand, we tend to think of the resurrection in terms of happening once in our life story, which is at that time of death, then we are resurrected and go on to the afterlife. But the truth of the matter is, and the biblical story tells us that every time we make a turn towards death, 
and we get turned around and come back to life, that's a resurrection. When we have gotten lost in our purpose, lost our way, and we get turned back and are reminded who we are, that's a resurrection. When we get caught up in addiction and then we get turned back from that addiction and come back to life, that's a resurrection. When we are overwhelmed by grief because of what we have lost and yet then we find hope and turn back to life, that's a resurrection. So I don't know about you all, but I have been resurrected many times in my life. Many times. And so the reason I think maybe if we use the word restoration, then we would acknowledge that life just beats us up sometimes. We get some nicks. We get chips in our paint and we need to be repainted or we need to be sanded down and refinished we need to be made whole again so we are seeking a new coat of spiritual paint in a resurrection mary magdalene need needed a resurrection she was overcome by grief now we can imagine that that was the case just because of the tremendous loss that she had experienced but there are also a couple of details in this passage that really tell us to what extent the grief was overrunning her the first is the fact that she does not freak out when she sees the angels and that's significant it's significant i mean first of all angels they're not cute little cherubs Uh, Biblical angels are dramatic. Let's just put it that way. Um, So they're stunning and striking to see. But second of all, she has just looked in the tomb and there were no people there. And then she turns around and there's two people there and she doesn't go, ah! Instead, she says, they they ask her a question, she answers their question. But she's she's so grieving. where, Where is my Lord? And then she turns around and doesn't recognize Jesus. Now, there's a lot of talk about Jesus comes back differently, but we know that's not the case because he's going to appear for the disciples pretty soon, and they're all going to know who he is. It's this grief moment that has overwhelmed her that is keeping her from seeing what is right before her. It reminds me, um, when my grandmother passed away, um, the cousins were assigned to go to the house and clean the house and get it ready um, for all the people that would come over after the funeral. My cousin Lori uh, volunteered to do the vacuuming and vacuuming the living room. And she's just, you know, really lost in thought, lost in grief, vacuuming away. And I don't remember which one of us it was that that went into the living room to check on her. Um, But we went in to the living room. And not only was um, Lori vacuuming with no bag in the vacuum, but it was unzipped. And so dust is just flying everywhere. And (laughs) whoever it was said, Lori... What? And looked around and she hadn't even noticed. And now we've got double the work because now we have to go back and vacuum, but we also have to dust, right? But that's what grief does. It overwhelms us to the point that we can't see right is in front of us. And, and she needed, Mary Magdalene needed a resurrection from that grief. But, but she also needs her story restored. And this is on us. I bet many of you have heard a couple of things about Mary Magdalene. One, that she's a prostitute. And two, that she anointed Jesus before he, before he died. Neither of those is in the biblical witness. That is not part of her story. Now, I'm not saying that if she was a prostitute, Jesus wouldn't have had anything to do with her. I'm sure that Jesus would have extended love 
and empowered her just as he would anyone. The point is, that's not her story. What happened was, in the early days of Christianity, a pope gave a really compelling story in which he took Mary of Bethany and combined her with Mary Magdalene and the woman from the city, a sinner, who anointed Jesus. Mary of Bethany anointed Jesus. The woman from the city anointed Jesus. Mary Magdalene just has the same name, kind of, of Mary of Bethany. But let's point out, those of you that are going to the Holy Land with me will get to see these different towns. Mary of Bethany means Mary from Bethany. Mary Magdalene means Mary from Magdala. They're two different towns. These are two different women. And this Pope combines all three of those women together and tells us that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute who anointed Jesus. Not true. Not true. What we do know about Mary Magdalene was that she was set free from seven demons. And we know that she came to the tomb because all, all four Gospels agree with that detail. And we know that Jesus gives her a resurrection when he calls on her name and recalls her to who she is. This woman who is set free and this woman who is empowered to be the first evangelist who will carry this word. And that is striking because Jesus is entrusting this most precious of stories to a woman who was set free from seven demons. He gives her a crazier story to share. And yet he trusts so much in who she is and in this story that he knows her resurrection will be our resurrection as well. You know, it's easy to get mixed up about a story. You can take one detail and blow it into something that it's not. Many of you um, commented on my shoes as I came in. Those of you who can't see them, they're rainbow converse. Um, you come in, came in and, and you commented on them. And I will tell you that pastors' footwear are the source of many rumors. It is something that we, we all have to, have to face. So I can imagine there have been times that I've served churches where if I came in in these, in these footwear, this is what I would hear whispered behind me. Oh, it's Easter. How she had the audacity to wear rainbow converse on such a holy day as Easter. Oh, that's disrespectful. And then there are some that would come in and go, rainbow converse, how cool. We have a cool pastor or a pastor who's trying to be cool. <laughs> One of those two. The truth of the matter is neither of those. The truth of the matter is I have recently had foot surgery. Many of you know this week I've been cleared to be part time out of my boot. So I have a foot resurrection right in front of you right now, people. <laughs> That's right. Praise the Lord. All right, but I'm only cleared for tennis shoes. So these seem the most festive ones. That's why I'm in these shoes. But you can see how one little detail can get blown out of proportion. And maybe that's happened to you. Maybe someone's taken one small detail about your life story and lied about it. Turned it into another story. 
Or maybe you've been trying to tell your story and no one's been listening. Or maybe you've been listening too much to that voice in your head that's telling you you're not worthy, that you're not loved. That's not your story either. Because you are worthy and you are loved. And we are a community who is committed to welcoming you for who you are and for seeing you for who you are and for taking the time to hear your story and share your truth. We, we are a people that is committed to that restoration. And maybe you need restored from grief. I don't know how any of us have gotten through the last two years without some grief. We've all lost something. We lost time. We lost freedom. We lost jobs. We lost loved ones. There was a lot of loss in the past two years, and maybe it's keeping you from seeing the fullness of life in front of you. And we are also a people that are committed to walking with you through that journey and helping you find hope on the other side of loss. This is why we're the body of Christ. This is what it means to be the body of Christ, to know the power of God's restoration in our lives. But it doesn't stop there, because then we become restorers. Once you have been restored, you become a restorer. And we do that work around here too. I'm going to celebrate what's happening next week in our church. Next week, uh, next Sunday, we won't have children and youth Sunday school here. Instead, our children and youth will be at Havenwood um, doing a planting day. They're going to be reviving the, the community garden there. And anyone's welcome to go out and help them. If you want to be a restorer like that, you join them. That counts as church. Go out there and be the body of Christ in the world. And be present with families that are trying to rebuild their lives and know God's resurrection. We are the people of the resurrection. It is who we are called to be. But then let's also be honest. It's not just us that needs a resurrection. The church needs a resurrection as well. There's an ideal church. There's the church that, Je that Jesus sees that we can be, that we are called to be. And then there's the real church, which is us trying to make our way in it and trying to live that way out. And we don't always do it perfectly. And we're being called out for it on social media, as well we should be. In, on TikTok, one of the big trends is the deconstruction of Christianity, and it's being led by people that call themselves ex-evangelicals. The people that, for the most part, have been hurt by the evangelical church, and they're deconstructing their faith publicly for everyone to see. And while um, certainly the evangelical church has struggled with that, the United Methodist Church is not immune from that. We ourselves as a denomination are dividing in ways that are causing some harm. And we need to recognize that reality and we need to hear the questions. We need to listen to the stories of what's going on. And so the, the sermon series that follows this one will be where we will look at what it means to be deconstructed. We'll listen to the questions. We'll be honest where we failed. And I think, I think a good model for us is to recognize that, you know, there's this strange moment in this passage when, when Jesus tells Mary not to hold on to him. In the Greek, it's, don't, don't grasp me. And I think that's what we've tried to do too often. We've tried to grasp 
and hold on to Jesus and make Jesus into who we want Jesus to be instead of being challenged and transformed by Jesus's word. Uh, Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, wrote this about this passage. He said, there is a clinging to Jesus that shows itself in the longing to be utterly sure of our rightness. We want him where we can see him and manage him so that we know exactly where to turn to be told that everything is all right and that he is on our side. We do it in religious conflicts, we do it in moral debates, and we do it in politics. We want to stand still and be reassured rather than moving faithfully with Jesus along a path into new life whose turnings we don't know in advance. We need to question. We need to hear the questions. We need to enter that journey, and so we will. But we can't stay in the space of deconstruction. Because if you stay in the space of deconstruction, you stay on Holy Saturday. You keep Jesus in the tomb. We need to reconstruct our faith beyond that, so we will also do that. Because reconstruction brings us to Easter Sunday. Reconstruction helps us claim our faith and set ourselves free and set others free as well. And so we will keep pushing on to Easter. And I am so grateful to be part of a church that has committed itself to hearing that story, being part of that reconstruction, that says we will be a church that is a home for those who feel far from God. We will be present with them in that journey. And we will be a church that will do the work of restoration. That will do that healing work. I know that you all are restorers. I know that you are because I have been listening to your stories. And over the past six weeks, several of you have shared your stories, not just with me, but with others. And so to close out the message today, I can think of no better way to celebrate the resurrection than to hear your words of truth. When you get like your own Legos and make something really cool on your own, you feel good because you think you've like created something, so... You know, most of the time, there's not many chairs that can't be restored. Uh, one of our me- one of the group members had an old kind of uh, rocking type chair um, that you know was very very old, and uh, we found there were some parts that needed to be you know have some repairs. But oh, I've also used one other recipe for cookies that I changed and made it, and like changed it a little. We are meant for connection. In the past couple of years with COVID, people have lost that. And what I see is an increase in a lot of anxiety and depression. And what I've seen since I came back to practice here is we're missing that. I'm done it about eight years, I imagine, with John Shores was doing it and was running short of church. And I thought, I'd make those boxes. Yeah. And he never did ask for his job back. <laughs> Group dances are also really fun. It also, you can um, tell them if you see them doing something 
wrong, they can tell you, hey, um, I think you're doing this wrong and I can help you fix it. Worship and restoration go hand in hand with each other. Um, coming from youth ministry again, that's really where I was invested in a one-on-one worship experience with our students, making worship tangible for them so that they could really connect with God in a way that they maybe haven't thought of before. So releasing an animal is really sad after you rehabilitate it, but it's also one of the best feelings because you know that you've successfully rehabilitated it. It was just like all of that pain and hurt and anger was just like leaving through my tears. And um, to the point Miss Judy had to clear the room, like, and she just sat there and held me and whispering things, and you know, over me and praying over me. And that changed my life. Just having someone not look down on me because of my mistakes and the opportunity to feel like maybe I could be forgiven. I have a specific thing. If something doesn't look good, that good, and whenever I make it, I like to redo it. But sometimes it looks good, and I'm just like, oh, I love this. Oh, this is my favorite now. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.